Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. podcast on a Wednesday. We're going to do a little uh, simulcast podcast on YouTube and we're going to do it with Chris Trevino and myself, Ryan Abraham. So if you're watching on YouTube, thanks for joining us there. We'll try to do some of these uh, going forward, but if you're just listening on the regular podcast feed, welcome again to the Peristyle podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about USC spring football schedule that was announced today, but wait for it. We did a show on Monday with coach Harvey Hyde and shotgun Spratling talking about some basketball stuff, talk about Lincoln Riley's uh, $17 million mansion that he bought. Uh, great for him. But we didn't know about the spring football schedule. We do now. So we'll know how much access we'll have. We'll go over all of that with Chris Trevino. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris N Trevino. And he is alongside of me. We're in the studio together, even though we have different shots. If you're watching on YouTube, Chris, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are, how are you doing? Can't complain. We, uh, you just mentioned before we went on air, we had, uh, we picked up some fish tacos. Yeah. You took me to lunch. Like a great boss. I don't know if you planned that, so I would say you're a great boss on the <laughs> on the show. But yeah, great, great boss move. I, you know, I like taking people to lunch or dinner or what, drink, whatever it is. And uh, we got the Ensenadas fish tacos, which are very good. Um, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> he just wants to. He just wants to shout out. They could be. They're great. They're a great place. They are like about a pitching wedge from our sponsor Trader Joe's. They're just like across the street, essentially. Um, so we want to thank our, our sponsor Trader Joe's before we roll into anything else. I always go over to TraderJoe's.com and kind of check it out. They have now you're not in a family of four, Chris, right? Like you you're you live with your girlfriend, you but you know No, it's it's me and my my brother. You and your brother, okay. That's sort of the room the household. Gotcha. I have like a one person household. Uh but Trader Joe's they have some different recipes up there. Ten bucks, a ten dollar recipe to feed a family of four. Now, sometimes those portions are end up being a little small. Like I'll eat two of them myself, but that might be something good for you and your brother. You can make them dinner for ten bucks and get the whole thing. So you can check it out. They have a bunch of videos over on TraderJoe's.com. Uh, uh, there's you know love the the monthly newsletters that they put over there um, and check that out. But yeah, like ten dollar recipe to feed a family of four. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't work for my household just because my brother eats like a person of four himself. It just Costco runs just go out, let the door like that. But I, it's an ambitious thing, and I, I applaud them for making that happen because ten dollars, you know, if you can make it work, that that's a great deal. That's like a gallon and a half of gas right now. Right? Yeah. yeah, a gallon and a half of gas you can get, make a dinner for a family of four, so that's pretty good. But I did want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's, really right next to. Uh, 
Ensenadas over there. It's a great little uh, segue you did there. Now it all makes sense. But I did want to point out quickly for Trader Joe's, as I mentioned previous times, my girlfriend loves Trader Joe's. She's in grad school to be a teacher. Okay. She's actually, her lesson plan, her big presentation this week is entirely on Trader Joe's. She's teaching a lesson plan on going to shop at Trader Joe's for for the kids. So I just needed to throw that out there. It doesn't have anything to do with a a special or $10 dinner, but I just had to put it out there because it, it works. She, teaching all about Trader Joe's next two days. So. That's that's pretty perfect. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, but they they've really been awesome to us over the the years. So we want to you know we frequent them all the time. And uh, thank again to Trader Joe's. If you have questions or comments for the show, we got some emails. We got a voicemail this week. Um, send us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or you can call us at four two four. 254-9141. You can leave us a voicemail there, or if you want to shoot us a text, that works too. Try to leave your name if you send us a text. Sometimes people text and they don't uh, sign it, so let us know who it is. We do have a voicemail uh, to go over today, and we'll do uh, that a little bit later on uh, when we get to the question part of the show, but we want to start uh, the beginning. I don't know. Maybe we could get a breaking news uh Breaking news a drop there. Spring practice, Chris. We now know. Finally. We we, th- we thought it was going to start March 22nd. Uh, it is. Uh, five weeks. They've been doing the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday thing. So they're going to do that. Uh, no spring break this time. Uh, pro days, a lot of times it's like that first week of spring ball. It is. So a lot of familiar uh, kind of. I guess, you know, as, as far as the structure of spring practice, kind of what we've been reporting, we thought it would be very similar to what it was before. It is. Uh, won't have as much uh, access. More, you know, more than two years ago during the pandemic when there wasn't spring. Uh, but last spring, we had some pretty good access. So we'll have some. We'll be able to talk to players and coaches and stuff, which is nice. Uh, but only Tuesday, Thursday, uh, not on Saturday. We will get a Zoom with Lincoln Riley. So I want to get your overall thoughts on this, on the the structure of it, but we weren't sure, was this going to be full on Oklahoma Lincoln Riley, where there was like pretty much no media. You couldn't talk to anybody. Um, It's sort of like what we thought some kind of compromise, which I think works. I I think you need to get this team out in the media. You want people talking about it because there are so many, you know, you have the Super Bowl champs, you know, NBA champs, world series, like you have all these champions in this city, in sport in the sports world. So uh, I know USC has got a lot of buzz right now and we'll talk about the spring game and everything too, getting the buzz there, but you have to kind of keep relevant in the city. And I think if you close everything off to the media, you, it, it would be hard to do that. Yeah, absolutely. People want to read about this team. They want to see coverage in, even though they love the little clips that USC social media drops, you know, they want yeah. more of that. They, it's like a, they want a full on, IV drip. They want it straight into their veins. And, you know, we as media people can help, you know, provide that a little more detail instead of what, you know, comes out of the program itself. But, you know, overall, I mean, I was a little, I was a little, I was a little on the, uh, not optimistic. What's the opposite of optimistic? Pessimism. Yeah. I had some pessimism that we weren't going to get any access. Yeah. It was just feeling towards that, you know, parents weren't going to be allowed to watch practice. That was something that we've talked about that the players voted on. Uh, no, no parents at practice. And, you know, if I was like, if their own flesh and blood can't come watch the practice, what hope do I have? Yes. A random dude with a video camera. What hope do I have to, to go in there with my little notepad? And, you know, I, I, I enjoy that we got, I'm glad that we got something. It's not 
like you said, a, a lot based on what we got last year. We got a lot last year. Yeah. And we're thankful for that. But obviously, this is a new uh, sheriff in town, Lincoln Riley, you know, n- notoriously very secretive when it comes to the practice and not letting media in. So I'm glad we did get a little bit of a compromise. We'll only be allowed to really watch the the stretching and some of the individual groups. But for me, that's enough. I, I'm happy with that. I can work with that. I can make ghost notes out of that. And people will still read the crap out of what I write. And I, I can I can get it done. I can get I can get info out of that. So I'm, I'm happy we were able to get that. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to it to getting something. Yeah, I mean a good point there is and I should have mentioned this at the top is uh sometimes they would allow you to watch all of practice. Uh it the la- you know the last year or so we were able to watch uh the beginning maybe the first 40 minutes or so on the sideline and then they put us up uh above watching uh from the swim stadium and um that was actually kind of a cool vantage point to get things Absolutely. But, but you could watch like we could see the one-on-ones and you're like, oh, wow, Chris Steele and, and Drake London are going at it like every rep. And those are things. And then Chris could put it in his ghost notes or when, you know, and after practice, we could ask if it was a defensive day, hey, Chris Steele, what was it like when uh, Drake London made that ridiculous one-headed catch over you and mossed on you or whatever? Or, you know, we don't do it negative that way, but you could ask about things that we saw in practice. Now it's going to be more of you can see them stretch. You can kind of see who's out there participating. Sometimes we would see a player, though, come out there and do warm-ups and then take their helmet off and not do anything for the rest of practice. So we won't be able to tell uh, things like that. So we will get some you know information out of it, but not you know everything we could. And, and part of the things you take pride in, Chris, I think, when um, there's a lot of media people out there watching practice. Well, are they just watching or are they noticing what's going on and it's nice we have a a group of us where we could like hey did you see is he not there or where's he and uh i thought he you know he left practice early just and uh, well they moved him from corner to receiver whatever it is like you kind of make some observations and then you know you could ask questions uh, after practice so we won't be able to do as much of that but like chris said we'll be able to you know we'll get as much we'll soak up as much as we can getting photos and video uh, for the first, you know, the stretching period of practice. Yeah, I don't want anyone talking to me those 30 to 25 minutes. I'm, I gotta, I, we only get this short amount of time, so I gotta be on it. I gotta see every little detail that, that I get in my little window. So, Ryan, don't, don't try to talk to me about the fish tacos you just went or the Trader Joe's <laughs> run you just went to. Just talk to me after. Talk to me. We're in the media pit. No, not, not in those 20 minutes or whatever. I gotta, I gotta focus. No, I gotta get this done. For sure. You know, I didn't even think about this. So, our, Former colleague Keely Yor, you know, now working uh, for USC, covering them. Do you think she gets to watch all the practice? Probably, huh? I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. She's still a reporter. Yeah. So, like, if you remember, like when Jordan Moore was out there, he seemed to have to follow some of the rules that we had to. Besides having like a badge that you worked there, you could go where you wanted. Um, I'm curious to see if uh, if uh, Lincoln Riley would have like you know their own team reporters in there or not I'm i think not sure. she's in south carolina well let's call her up let's get let's get her on the radio yeah let's that's on funny. the show let's just call her up right now she didn't go to vegas for the pac-12 but uh she's going to south carolina for the first uh first two rounds so that'll be interesting uh so the practice dates just so everyone knows it's like i said starts march 22nd so the 22nd 24th 29th that's tuesday thursday saturday then the 31st of march and then april 5th 7th to finish that week uh the 12th 14th and 19th Uh, And then the 21st. And then um, the spring game will be April 23rd. That's going to be at the Coliseum. Um, 
12 p.m. 12 p.m. And it's going to be broadcast live on ESPN, which, Chris, the only game ESPN is broadcasting, only spring game? Per the release, that is the only spring-like event that ESPN will be broadcasting. It will have a full broadcast crew. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry about the 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 dates there. Um, I gave I gave you all the dates that will be open to the media. So it's the 22nd, 24th, uh, but then I guess it would be the 26th um, would be like the Saturday practice. So we can't watch the Saturday practices. So those practices I listed out were the ones that we'll be able to be there. Uh, the other Saturday practices, which are going to start um, at 1025, they're closed to the public, closed to the media, so we won't be able to see. And then we'll talk to Lincoln Riley afterwards. So we'll get a, a Zoom call with him so you don't have to go down to uh, – Howard Jones, Brian Kennedy. Uh, but the, the spring game, uh, you can go to that. It will be a broadcast on on ESPN. Um, so I'm I'm really, I'm curious to see how that's structured because I know some of the fans haven't been extremely happy with the way, you know, the, the spring showcases or whatever USC's had in the past. Um, I don't know. You think it's going to be like full-on game? It might depend on the roster. I don't know. Yeah, and I just want to say, it says here in the release spring, only spring football game airing live on ESPN. So the, they might show other games, but this one appears to be the other one live. that will be okay. broadcast live. And it has a full crew of Matt Berry, Kirk Herbstreet, the man himself. Kirk will be on campus. Uh, Joey Galloway and Molly McGrath. So that's a loaded uh, ESPN uh, broadcast team for this game. Yeah, not bad. So with that in mind, I am expecting what looks like more like a traditional game. And not sort of a the dreaded spring showcase. Yes. I am expecting a game. And I, I talked with a player over this weekend. And they kind of hinted like, be ready for that spring game. Oh. So, yeah, that that's something. So I, I'm expecting a full-on game sort of environment and not a showcase. That's very cool. Okay. Well, hopefully fans uh, get a little glimpse of that. You can check it out. I mean, it'll be the first time we'll be able to watch a full spring practice from Lincoln Riley as well. We'll see the beginning. Um, curious to see how different the beginning of practice is, you know, maybe it's the exact same, maybe it's different. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, but that, that spring game will be a unique opportunity for us too, because we'll be able to watch an actual, you know, going through drills, whatever they do. Cause they usually go through drills at the beginning if it's a spring game. So we get to see something of what they would be doing at practice. How different does the offense look? Um, obviously you want to see guys like Caleb Williams, probably only have like Caleb Williams on one side and, uh, uh, Miller Moss and Miller the other. And the other. And that's it. Yeah, like I don't know what you know. Uh, Mohassan won't be back by then. You got some walk-on guys. Uh, prefer walk-ons. You know, some guys that uh, you know have legit resumes as walk-on quarterbacks, but only two scholarship quarterbacks for this spring. I did. It. I did see. I did think it was interesting that the release specifically says this will be the only opportunity for Trojan fans to see Lincoln Riley and the team before the opener. So that means, like you know. Fall camp's not going to be open. Yeah. is basically, yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. And I'm, you know, spring's usually a little more open than the fall. Uh, we might have similar access during fall camp through August. And I don't know what we'll have uh, during the season. But this is something we will be able to keep reporting on the team and uh, have, you know, in-person observations, have interviews with players and coaches and things. And we'll see how it goes. And, um, you know, Lincoln Riley sees that the, the sky didn't fall when, when all this happened. And you're like, okay, maybe we can keep doing this going forward. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it goes well. It's been a pretty good 
relationship with USC and the media. And, you know, it's great. You know, it, obviously it's great for us. We can do our jobs, but it's great for the fans too. And I've had people that cover other teams. I've had NFL guys call me and say, man, it's awesome that you're able to report on this or like, show this, these videos in the summer. And we can't do those summer videos anymore. We, we couldn't before. Um, but a lot of people do enjoy it. They want to get as much information as they can uh, about the team. And they're curious about it. And that's a good thing. Um, maybe that interest has dropped off a little bit, but now with Lincoln Riley there, there's a lot more interest. And there's a reason why ESPN is going to broadcast this spring game. People want to see, all right, with you know, we a lot of hype about Lincoln Riley. What sort of product is he going to roll out on the field uh, come early September? Are you concerned about? Are you concerned about Oklahoma fans considering that the spring games are on the same day, the twenty third? Oh, they are. And ESP and then USC's will be on ESPN. Yeah, they probably won't like that for Yeah. Uh, a little worried about them. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a uh a warring day on Twitter. Oh my god. I'm gonna so get much so more. much heat for every update I post on uh on Saturday. Yeah. On you think maybe it's gonna die down at some point, but it just it just hasn't. And yeah, we I talked about this on Monday's show. It's just I just don't think it's a good look. You're seeing, I think there's some national media that'll say like, hey, you know, maybe I don't like exactly the way Lincoln Riley left. I mean, there's never, like, I don't think there's a great way to break up anytime. Um, you could always do maybe things a little bit better, whatever. Uh, I'm not faulting anything he did. I mean, you're, there's I mean, unique opportunities there. Oklahoma's at a great spot and getting a, a an assistant coach, the arguably the best defensive coordinator in the country. I mean, Clemson could, go way downhill after losing both coordinators. Like they just haven't had much staff turnover where Alabama has it every year and they're able to bounce back. We haven't seen Dabo Sweeney do it, but this is a a coveted defensive coordinator that many, many universities were trying to hire and Oklahoma brings them home and gets them. And it's just sort of like, Hey man, sucks, but you just kind of move on and try your, you know, live your best life going forward with a, you know, which could be a better option than what you had. Who knows? But just not, I don't think it's a great look when all you're doing is complaining about the X and, uh, you're not focusing on, you know, what you have now. And so, yeah, but it's, I think some of the national media, Chris, were sort of like, hey, sympathetic towards the Oklahoma fans. I'm not seeing a lot more. They're like, okay, get over it by now. You know, and it, it doesn't seem like not all of them, but a, a bunch of them still aren't over it. Oh, absolutely not. It's been a little more quiet than usual, but that baby's going to pick back up again. Yeah, well, that, you mentioned the spring games on the same day. So, uh, well, we know the spring football schedule. We will have wall-to-wall coverage. We'll have some previews and stuff coming up um, coming up uh, this week. And so make sure you check all of that out. you got March Madness this weekend. A lot going on in the USC uh, sports world. Um, Shotgun's going to actually be there in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. So he'll... Have a bunch of reports going on there. It was fun to cover the games with him in Las Vegas this past weekend. So make sure you stay tuned to uscfootball.com. Yes, I know that's the name of the uscfootball.com. We still cover basketball. We cover the sports. Uh, you so- sort of broke the Jinx title, but then it kind of went back. Yeah, like I had not seen USC win in person this year. Um, had you been to any basketball games or a couple? Or Yeah, I went to Shotgun's last one in Galen before okay. I left. It okay. was me and Keeley and and him. Nice. That was his last, like, before he left kind of uh, game. Before he hit the East Coast, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he's only, like, he's only asked me to do ones that were, like, important games. Unfortunately, like, they lost those games. Uh, but, yeah, people were saying I was a jinx. But they ended up beating Washington. Even though they tried to give it away at the very end. But, uh, 
yeah, they got to win there. And then, you know, just UCLA just outclassed them, I think, in that one. So we'll see how the Trojans do. Opening weekend, they're playing on Friday in South Carolina. So make sure you check it out. Anything else on the uh, spring game, spring practice stuff before we move on, Chris? Just quickly, sure. did you have a prediction on attendance? Do you think it's going to be well attended? For the spring game? Yes. It's a good question. I haven't thought about it much. I think when you get spring game attendances, they're more a little more accurate than actual game attendances because it's just, you know, there's preseason, people buy the tickets and if they show up or not. Uh, typical spring games at USC were like in the 10, 15,000 range, even like, I think Pete Carroll years. Uh, I think you might push past that, especially just people are excited and they're just so over the Clay Helton era and they want to show their support. I think you're going to have people, um, you know, I think last spring game, there was people partying in the suites and everything. I think you're going to see the same sort of stuff. I think you might get, you know, in the close to 20,000 range. Um, good. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I would push a little higher, maybe oh. like thirty thousand. I'm going. I'm going. I, I think the people are going to come out. That's all I'm saying. Especially, yeah. I mean, it's L.A. It's probably going to be a nice day. So, you know, they want to see Caleb Williams. They want to see this offense. You know, I, I'd say thirty thousand at minimum for me. I like it. Okay. Well, that would be that would be really impressive. They really hadn't had it in the past. They used to do. It used to be a lot more intimate. They called it the Trojan Huddle. They had in and out trucks outside and just people, you know, I think your ticket got you, it was like a 10 bucks or something. It would get you a, you know, a, a in and out meal or whatever. Um, so, but yeah, I, I feel like there could be more people coming to this one. And uh, if it gets more than 20,000, gets up to 30, that would be really impressive for me. This is not, you know, Nebraska, they sell out the spring game. Like that's not happening here, but I think people are starved for some actual, Football, they want to see USC be competitive again. So if this is the first opportunity to do that, uh, I think you're right. Some people are going to come out and certainly do that. Uh, let's talk about some uh, transfer portal news. News that you, Chris Trevito, actually broke uh, on the site on uscfootball.com. Uh, Brandon Campbell, the running back uh, from Texas. Has Richard decided, Freshman. Yeah, decided to enter the transfer portal. Uh, what's, what did you hear about this? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it had been, I'm sure you were aware and everyone was aware, it's been kind of quiet on the transfer market in terms of USC, you know, adding anyone or losing anyone. There was that whole two-month window where everyone was coming, everyone was going. And then, you know, kind of uh, Campbell here kind of breaks that that silence. He is the 19th uh, transfer to leave USC at this point. Um, and, you know, this was a guy looking at it that you kind of aren't shocked that it happened, given what the makeover that running back room has gone through. Obviously, you have Darlin Barlow. He was staying around. Uh, you go in, Lincoln goes out and gets, you know, one of the best running backs on the transfer market, Travis Dye, pulled him away from Oregon. You know, that's a big one, all Pac-12 kind of guy, a guy who, you know, I think most people are projecting to be the starter before that, a couple of days before that, he went and got Austin Jones, you know, out of Stanford, who, you know, was a pretty good running back for them. Led, led the, I believe he led the Pac-12 in touchdowns in 2020 during that pandemic year. Had a little bit of a down year in 2021, but still an experienced guy, a veteran guy, a guy who's a little bit bigger than guys on the roster and can probably is considered your quote unquote. I'm doing the air quotes right now. Power back in this in this with this room. Then obviously you had Relique Brown, who's going to be, you know kind of a slack guy, kind of a shifty joystick back coming in as well in the summer. Joystick. Joystick. And, 
you know, if you look at it, Brandon Campbell, where does he fit into that? He he kind of when I'm building that that depth chart, when I was looking at projections, he would always end up at the bottom, you know, you know, because Relique is the the high profile guy Lincoln wanted at Oklahoma and got him at USC. He recruited jo- uh, Jones and Die out of the portal. Clearly, those guys are valued guys that they want to bring and they need to bring in. And then Barlow, you know, didn't wasn't really recruited by Lincoln, but was recruited by uh, Kyle McDonald at Utah. So he kind of knows what he has there. And a guy who probably went to bat with him when uh, when Lincoln came on and they both got in the room together. So Brandon committed to Mike Jinks, who's no longer here. You know, he was a three-star signing. He flashed a little bit, only played in three games, but wasn't a whole lot, you know, to go off there. And, you know, Texas guy out in uh, California, none surprised, maybe a little homesick. But it just felt like Campbell was eventually going to, you know, look elsewhere, maybe go back, go a little bit closer to home back in Texas, you know, a TCU, a Houston, one of those SMU, one of those programs. And, you know, that kind of felt like writing on the wall. I thought maybe he would go through spring a little bit, but looks like he decided to, you know, go ahead and uh, pull the transfer trigger and, and get in there. So we'll see. And again, I think he could have been a really good player, but, you know, it's just, it's not the program he committed to when he committed a year ago, different program, different direction, different coaches. So, you know, I understand the move. Yeah, it's very different. The program is certainly different. And you could look at it from an outside point of view and say the culture is better and it will be better. And I think that's true, but it's definitely going to be different than what many of these players signed up for. And when half your staff were Texas guys and there was, you know, I think they're they're gone. And now they're sort of like some of the people that, you know, that brought you in there. Uh, they are the people that brought you in there. And maybe there was a comfort level just knowing that like, you know, a whole bunch of this, it was, there was definitely more of a Texas feel on the team. Now there isn't. Um, and then if you're the guy from Texas and you're a freshman, you only played in a couple of, you know, a couple of games, maybe this isn't exactly where, you know, you want to be. So I, I think when you, especially when you come across country for a program, you know, there's certain things that are like, on your little, you know, co- pros and cons list, there was like a lot of those pros of of Brandon Campbell coming to USC are probably gone. Now there's I, there's probably still plenty of pros. Like he could be the starting, you know, tailback at a USC. Like that's a, that's something that yeah, I can I can work with that. But I think a lot of the things that sort of sold him on coming to USC are are no longer there. And if you look at it from a fan's point of view, like why would a player leave? The culture's gonna be better. The coaching's gonna be better. And, uh, but it's still your situation and it's not the same situation that you signed up for and that you got used to over this last year. It's different. You know, the rules have definitely changed and that's not going to be, you know, for everybody. So you combine all that stuff together. I think it does make uh, sense. And there's, you know, some big names around that, you know, Chris had mentioned before, you know, just having a couple of PAC 12, you know, starting running backs in your backfield uh, is is good, and I I feel that's going to be sort of like the glue year between you know they end up getting a Rayleigh Brown, uh, you know, a, a five star running back in this recruiting cycle. So a lot of these positions you're going to have you know you didn't really get the kind of guy you would have wanted if Lincoln Riley was recruiting for the whole 2022 recruiting class cycle, but he will be able to do that for 2023. So I feel like. If you get some bridge players, uh, and then you can, then you can start recruiting and, and looking at your roster and bringing in some of those players, the high school players that you feel can really contribute. And if there are a couple holes still that need to be filled, 
or if you're you know recruiting offensive linemen, for example, where it's you know that might take a year or two to develop, you you go to the transfer portal again. I think we're going to see less transfer portal this season coming up. Uh, you know the 2023 class because he will have a full class to be able to recruit all the all the five stars he could want. Uh, he he'll be able to do that. Um, but for this one, I feel like yeah, this this kind of makes moves. And Chris, I don't think this is going to be the last transfer out of the program. When Lincoln Riley said like. 35 players off the roster were like, we're almost there already. Um, I mean, it's going to be, I bet you it's in the forties before we're done. Yeah. So right now, just the updated, you're at 19 transfers out. That's nine for the draft that are leaving. And then seven graduated. I'm no, I'm not really good at math, but you're, you're, you're there. You're getting close. You're in the the high twenties at this point. So yeah, you're 35. There you go. Look, I told you I'm bad at math. You, You got it. So yeah, and I, I've heard and I've been told that there will be more coming out after spring. So yeah, that, so we expect it. You know, that's going to be the wave. USC is going to have their own little wave of d- departures, and then they're going to they're going to ride the other uh, wave of other schools in that transfer that transfer market, and they're going to pick up. You know, as we're expecting, edge rushers, probably linebacker, and some offensive linemen. Yeah, no, and I, a quarterback. We're expecting a quarterback. At this well. point, yeah, because yeah, but I, I've heard the same, Chris. Where it's uh, and you kind of I've asked questions about that, like you know, cult, a better culture you would think would be attractive to players, but it's not just that. And some of the cases, it's going to be, hey, where am I on the depth chart? Like, oh, okay, well, I'm the backup here, or I'm the starter here. Like, okay, I'll stick around. But if not, and it's a position where you brought in some transfers. Uh, this is a position where they brought in a couple of transfers. And if you're not, you know, if Brandon Campbell waited and then found out he was like fourth or fifth on the depth chart or whatever, then yeah, he might've just transferred then. Or if he saw the writing on the wall right now, that could be the situation. So um, it's a, uh, I think this is going to be the norm. Now this, this might be an extreme case. Cause you went from like seven years of really, you know, mediocre coaching. I'll be nice uh, to now you bring in an actual, you know, proven winner guys you know have gone to playoffs and won Heisman's and you're doing the right things if you're able to be in the kind of national conversations that Oklahoma was in the last five years under Lincoln Riley and you know USC might you know win a Rose Bowl or something and, and do something good but they just weren't that nationally relevant uh program so you trust the way they're going to do things but the culture is definitely going to be different because you had a not strong culture before and you're gonna have a really strong culture now, but it is different. And I think that's what uh, each player is going to have to make their own mind up of, do I want to stick this out? Uh, or, you know, is, would it be best for my college career to, to go someplace else? Like if you're transferring from USC to a, another power five program, unless you're going to like Alabama, Ohio state or Clemson or something like that, you're probably have a better chance of making a playoff in your next three, four years if you're sticking at USC, but that might not be what the, you know, the, the what's best for that player. That player's like, yeah, I think they can go on and, and win a, you know, get to the playoff and win the Pac-12 in the next couple of years. The problem is I'm not that high a level of player, so I won't be helping them out. You know, I mean, I think there's some of that going on too, Chris. And I saw this sort of transitioning a little bit. I saw this question in the aftermath on social media is, do you think USC will go after a running back? in the portal to offset the loss of Campbell. And it's just for me, it's sort of a tough question just because 
you know, right now you look at the roster, what, that's going to be just three scholarship running backs for the spring. Bring in Relique Brown, you have four. They're sort of right on that line of being okay for the season, but also not being okay. You know, a couple injuries and it gets a little dicey. So it is tough. But the problem is, if you're a high-level running back, you're not going to USC right now just because there's already a guy named Travis Dye there. Yeah. There's already an Austin Jones there, a Darwin Barlow there. And you also got a guy like Relic Brown coming in. So it's tough. And especially if you're and if you're a younger guy, maybe you're a redshirt freshman who's looking for a new home. You have all those older guys ahead of you. And then you have Relique also. And then you know USC is going to sign multiple high-level running backs in this 2023 class because they have to. Yes. And USC and Lincoln Riley is no slouch when it comes to recruiting running backs. So if you if you're thinking about it there, you you're in a tough spot as well because you have all these older guys ahead of you. But also, you have these young guys that'll be coming in as well. So it's kind of hard to find that that right fit. I think if you could sell maybe like a grad transfer running back, a guy that you know maybe isn't going to be the guy, you're gonna tell him like, hey, we have these guys here. We just need a little bit of depth. You'll come in. You'll you'll work towards a degree, whatever. You'll be on the team. I don't think it can be someone who's expecting to be the guy because I feel like they already have the guy on the roster. Yeah, and uh, just looking at the scholarship distribution chart that I put up there up on uscfootball.com. Chris, you mentioned the names. Um, you know, if you're looking at, you have a senior uh, and Travis Dye, you have a junior and Austin Jones, and you have a sophomore, Richard sophomore and Darwin Barlow. You know, Rayleigh Brown is coming in. Um, none of those guys that are on the, ro- they're gonna, you're going to see in the spring at the spring game, none of those running backs were recruited out of high school by USC. That's a problem. Uh, you need some of those guys and, you know, Campbell was, and he's out. Uh, but it just shows that there was, to me, Chris, there was some sort of disconnect, uh, in this offense. And when we talked to Mike Jinks sort of right away and the the running backs he inherited, he looked around that running back room and they just, he'd never recruited guys like that. They're bigger than what, you know, what he would fit in his system. It just never seemed to work. And just on the recruiting trail, it just never caught. And once Lincoln Riley comes in, you get a guy like Brown. So I think they're going to be okay going forward. But I think just showing that what you have on the roster right now is all transfer running backs. Two of them that came in, you know, in the past couple of months. Uh, I, I mean, that I think that shows that there was a problem. There's some sort of disconnect there uh, at USC the last couple of years. Well, the running joke was USC over the last, what, three, four cycles struggled to get two running backs in the same class. They just couldn't do it. Yeah. And I think you're seeing that sort of rear its head now if you had signed another running back in either the last two classes a double running back class you you would have a little bit more depth right now depth right now and you know that's not and now you're paying for it sort of in this 2022 season where you're kind of on the on the line right now towing that that depth issue yeah no 100 uh it's just been an issue like if, if you have a hard time getting two quarterbacks in a class fine like two running backs that shouldn't be a big deal um I mean, Pete Carroll did like seven or something. <laughs> it's like it was some, some ridiculous number. Oh, I forget what it was. Uh, Signing two quarterbacks in the class is like the hardest thing you can do, and they did it <laughs> with Miller Moss and Jackson. And you couldn't Dark. sign two running backs at yeah. USC. Yeah, like that's, a RBU. Yeah, you you have, couldn't do it. You could bring them. I mean, you see all the like recruit pictures with the Heisman's and stuff, and most of those Heisman's are from running backs. Um, yeah, I, to me, I mean, just looking at that, Chris, it just it's like a slap on the side of the head, like. How do you not have a scholarship running back that you recruited out of high school on your roster? Like, not one. Um, 
that's a big deal. I like Barlow a lot, but you know, you're like, he was a transfer. Well, you know, he came in with that, you know, they he Jinx brought him in or whatever, and that's fine. But um th- I think there was a systematic pro yeah, there's there's a huge problem there. And I feel like Lincoln Riley's gonna do, you know, already try to fix it, bringing in a guy like Brown, but not having a single high school running back on your roster is just like, eh, you can't do that and be successful. Just so. got to get it right the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of, it's, it's sort of like you, you walk into this home, you know, you're, you're flipping a house and you walk in and you know, there's going to be problems. There's a reason the house was on the market and all that, but just how many, like you, is that beam going to be like fall down soon? Is the, the foundation cracked? Um, this is one of those problems you look in and you're like, wow, that running back situation was bad. And so, you know, it's just, you, there's a huge list of, you know, like a honey list, a honey do list or whatever for Lincoln Riley. Hey, we got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, you know, fixing the running back situation is going to be one of them, but I think they've already done a really good job bringing in two uh, high profile conference transfers plus, you know, recruiting a five-star out of high school, but they, uh, they need to do that. And I uh, just, Take a look back at it, Chris. Like, I feel like they made some really good strides to like that's a problem they identified, right? They're like, Holy crap, the running back situation's not good. We like to run the ball. We've had a thousand yard rusher like every year. Uh, what are we gonna do? All right. And they they had a plan. And uh, I remember like when USC had the sanctions, like 2010, 11, whatever. Um, you know, you could argue what Lane Kiffin did or didn't do, but I feel like he looked at the entire situation and came up with a plan to only recruit to 15 guys for the for the year instead of 25. And, and the blue shirt thing was, you know, they were doing things like that. Um, it was more of the Sark stuff, but you have to come in, you look at the situation, you have to come in with some sort of plan. And I feel like looking back now, a couple of months in Lincoln Riley and his staff identified the running back problem plan and uh, you know, the running back problem came up with a plan, and I think that's what we're seeing. I don't know if they planned on a guy like Campbell leaving. It makes it a little more desperate because there's only three scholarship running backs in the spring. Uh, but, you know, you can't argue with the plan. Like, the, the fact that they have those three guys in, in the spring is only because they were able to bring in two guys, you know, from your rivals in the Pac-12 that were starting for those teams. Yeah, I mean, and I believe Riley had mentioned, you know, they're not going to recruit based off fear. They're not going to run that program that way they're not going to recruit that way so i would assume they had a you know an inclination like hey we're probably going to get you know maybe a departure and this maybe brandon campbell was, isn't going to be the one to stick around for this so i i assume that they knew that and you know they're gonna have to make the next move but i think i think what has fans uh feeling a lot better is that you know i think they're confident that riley and the staff will make the right move whatever yeah. they may be and I also just want to shout out quickly that they do have a pretty good preferred walk-on in Matt Colombo, who was out yes, of Bosco. He was good. Yeah, we, we saw him. He he kind of fits this offense. He's a really good pass catcher. He was a former wide receiver, I believe. He converted there uh, in, in high school to running back. But, you know, he's he's quick. He You know, when there was a lot of injuries in spring last year, I believe, he stepped up. And he was kind of a guy in, spring, in the spring game. Uh, he was one of our top performers. He came out of nowhere and had a bunch of big plays, big run. So, you know, maybe there's a guy they bump up a little bit more. You know, he does seem to have an injury in that photo. Looks like he had some sort of uh, his arm was in a sling. So it looked like he may be going through an injury right now. But, you know, he's a guy maybe who could help channel that that back end of the depth. And maybe so they don't have to go through the portal and use a scholarship on another running back. So, yeah, 
Just throwing it out there. Yeah, he's a legit dude. Um, So I'm sure we'll see a bunch of him in the spring if he's not injured. Uh, Real quick, I mentioned this on Monday, but, you know, Lincoln Riley uh, reportedly purchased a $17.2 million home in Palos Verdes overlooking the ocean, uh, tennis court and sauna and wine cellar and all. You're just beautiful. Um, Looks amazing. I I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, hey, when are you going to be invited over to barbecue at Lincoln Riley's house? That'd be cool. Instead of like a Zoom on a Saturday, maybe we all just go over to Lincoln Riley's house, hang out by the pool, and he can like address the media. I think that would be kind of a fun uh, fun thing to do, Chris. Yeah, forget the Zooms. Let's just do it there. Yeah. Everyone meet, and we'll just do it there. I think it would be awesome. Uh, we don't dwell on this. We talked about the other show, but any any thoughts on Lincoln Riley's new home? Does he need a pool boy? <laughs> does he need a pool boy? I know there's a guest house, so does he need a pool boy? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would sign up if he would do that. Um, I'll be one of the wine bottles if he needs uh, <laughs> just something to get me in there. He need a new, he need, uh, like a, a step stool. Look, I'm your guy. Sturdy back. I got it. Nice. Just let me, just let me hang out. That's all I care about. Cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, yeah. Congrats to Lincoln Riley, his family, his family will be there most of the time. He's not, he's going to be in the office a lot. Uh, we're going to take a quick break unless you're on uh, the YouTubes, uh, back in a minute. We're going to answer some of your questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Ryan Abraham and Chris Trevino. Let's do the, you want to do the voicemail question? Yeah, let's first. Let's, let's hit that. All right, we're going to play that one for you right here. Hello, this question's for Ryan and Chris. And I was just calling because take out Lincoln Riley out of the equation. Do you think that this offense is just going to become a lot more physical and maybe even a lot more fluid without having just a bunch of former quarterbacks at all of the different offensive coaching positions? I mean, I think last year, even even including Clay Helton, like from the head coach down to the, you know, the tight ends coach, I think all of the assistant coaches were former quarterbacks. So, it just seems like having like an, an offensive line guy at tight end might make them more physical. Having a true offensive line guy at offensive line will help with that. And then, um, or at least a guy with a lot of experience in that position. And then you just add in, you know, just the fact that like we don't have a former quarterback coaching running backs and, and, and a former quarterback, uh, you know, in, in all these other positions. So anyways, uh, just would it be interested to get you guys thoughts on that thought on Jason Longwood country. 
Thank you, Jason. Um, you know, it's interesting, Chris. This was a big Dan Weber uh, point. If you guys remember when Dan Weber was on the podcast, uh, he talked about that there was a softness there and everyone was quarterbacks. And USC's hired quarterbacks, you know, Lane, Sark. And you sort of learned to you're practicing from like a quarterback point of view, where if you were a former linebacker, maybe the the you know the emphasis is on, you know, tackling or physicality, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know if you've put any stock into that one, Chris, but that was something Dan Weber had pointed out like often. It's an interesting question. I just also want to point. Out, I think that's the first time I've heard a voicemail that addresses me as part of it, Ryan and Chris. Hold on, let me uh, let me do some. Uh, I gotta find. He's it. got a. Yeah. Chris, we are making you fully involved in this show. I know Keely wow. like teased you forever, forever, ever, and yeah. let you in and then just bolted. Uh, we wouldn't do that here. Now you're getting voicemails with your I'm name. Getting in voicemails. It. That's great. But yeah, it is an interesting question. It is an interesting uh Weberism, if you will, just kind of looking at it that way, the all the quarterbacks. Um I would say yes. I mean, as he pointed out, you have an offensive line coach, a former offensive line coach, as your tight end coach. You have a new offensive line coach, Josh Henson, from where? The SEC. Mm. They play some uh, big boy football there down at Texas A&M. And uh, who was the most, who would you say is the most physical team in the Pac-12? Oregon. Well, I would say Utah. Or Utah, yeah. Utah. You got the running back coach from Utah. True, yes. They know how to run the ball over there. So I think you're definitely going to see that physicality, you know, take a tick up because of these new coaches in place. Yeah, and just when you had Mario Cristobal as head coach at Oregon, there, you know, hey, it's an offensive line guy. I think that's a different practice. Yeah. It's a different mentality if your head coach is an offensive line guy versus a quarterback. And just been a lot of quarterbacks at USC over the years. So it's a mentality of get the ball out, don't get hit, to rip this guy's freaking head off <laughs> and put him in the ground. Yes. Or uh, run this dude over. Just, you know? just truck him, plow him. So I like that question, and I think it's an interesting question to, to and a storyline to look towards as yeah. you know we move through this season and spring. And you know, I think USC had some coaches that wanted you know to be physical. I mean, you look like a Vic Soto. Uh, who's now at Cal went, you know, went to Colorado for a couple of months. He's now at Cal. Um, I would never say anything about him not born. I mean, I felt like he wanted to be physical the entire time, right? Like there was, and the way the defensive, uh, coaches talked is, you know, practice didn't even count if you didn't have pads on. Um, I don't know if we saw the results in the field, but they, they at least seemed like they embraced the physicality of it. But, but like you said that, you know, they weren't running, they didn't create the practice. Uh, they weren't running the practices. It was more on the, uh, you know, the quarterbacks were doing more of that. He looked like he wanted to be violent every time a reporter asked him about Corey Foreman. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that right now. That's a, that's one of the that's one of the uh, unheralded breakups, right? Vic Soto and Corey Foreman. Like there was the, there was a bond. There. Yeah, that was. Uh, we thought they would uh, get six seasons in a movie out of them. Yeah. No. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, you want USC fans want to see Corey Foreman take that next. Step and you know I I think Vic Soto was doing his best to sort of groom him to be a great college player. So we'll see what Sean Nua and company can uh, do with him going forward. Absolutely. Do you want to read questions? You want to read questions? How you? Want I'll to read this? questions. Okay. Whatever you feel comfortable doing. Chris. I I was a little off guard last week with the questions, but I'm better prepared. So we have three. Okay. Let's get this first one from Eric in Duck Country. Ryan and Chris. 
Nick Saban takes recruits to his giant lake house when they're on official visits. Do you think Lincoln Riley will take recruits to the new $17 million Palos Verdes estate? I mean, absolutely, right? Uh, I, You know, like we've seen like offensive line coaches have barbecues at their house or whatever. Like uh, for Eric, yeah, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't use that as a recruiting tool. Um, Unless there's some rule I don't know about, a, a rule change, absolutely. I don't know about, yeah, I don't know. And, I mean, it could even be like sometimes you need like some one-on-one time. Like it's great when you can get the position group to come out. Like, hey, all the running backs. Well, there's not that many of them. But you some position group or maybe the whole offense. Uh, we saw them have their beach day uh, a few weeks back, things like that. But even like, you know, hey, if you just bring out a couple of players or one player – Come have dinner with at the house, and um, you know we're going to talk about where you are in the depth chart or whatever it is. Like you can make individual connections uh, with that place too. I don't know, Chris. Do you get to? Can you get some kind of write off if he's able to bring players there? So it's like a work thing. Like you can write off your seventeen million dollar house at some point. Like that sounds like that would be a pretty cool deal. I mean. Ryan, I don't think you should be asking me about write-offs. You're the one who owns their own like company and business, so that's all on you. Yeah, I, I assume you can write it off. I don't have nothing to write off, so that's a question for you, my man. I, yeah, no, I think I I would think there's some sort of write-offs there uh, with if you're going to be using part of it for work. Now I, I don't know, but you have to ask an accountant. But maybe maybe you could do that. But one yeah. of my favorite Seinfeld quotes: "They just write it off. <laughs> who is they?" <laughs> You don't even know what a write-off is. <laughs> that is true. People, um, they ask me all the time, like, so we go to Vegas, you know, and, uh, and you're like, oh, you can expense that. I'm like, expense it to what? Like, I'm the owner of the company. Like, it's it's me. I pay for it. It's uh, me. Yeah. It's like, I don't like, oh, like, yes, I'm paying for it. So I'm paying for it. But I, you can write stuff like that off. So you're writing off your trip. It's just something for your taxes. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean the money's not gone. Like, yeah, you spend the money. Uh, to cover those things. All right, what do we got next? Uh, Frank in Sacramento has beef with the Poly Bowl, I guess. I thought the Poly Bowl in Hawaii was to be an invitation showcase for great Polynesian high school players. Why is it the great USC recruit branch, Zion branch, is featured in the Poly Bowl game? It seems like the event has been watered down to draw other recruits and increase attention to the event. And that is from Frank in Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, you have been to the Poly Bowl multiple times, but I will just say this. Yes, the Poly Bowl has sort of trended more towards getting elite, big-name prospects, and it has some of the biggest in the country at, at its event. And I assume that's because, obviously, everyone wants to go to Hawaii to, to hang out right. and play, uh, play some high school football. I know the practices, as you have mentioned, aren't the most intense when you're in paradise, but... You know, that's uh that's one of the perks of being in the Poly Bowl. But the Polynesian Bowl still has the most Polynesian players on its roster. You can go look through that and it notes who was a Polynesian ancestry or Samoan ancestry. And I think, you know, they want to keep the the event going. They want to keep the bowl going. So you do that by bringing in some of the top end names, the top end talent. You do that, you get more sponsorships, you get more attention, you get more eyeballs. So I think that's more so like a business decision, you know, to get the best players out there, regardless of their ancestry. You still have a ton of Polynesian players on the roster itself, but, you know, open the door a little bit more. 
for for big names and, and people like that. Yeah, and I so my my take on this, and you know, I've talked to the people that run it a bunch, um, not specifically about this topic as much, but what you would see is this was a newer bowl, like what five years ago or something like that. I believe it started in 2017. Okay, so four or five years yeah. ago, You're and right. they, you know, you want to compete with the big games that were out there. So the it was the Army All American Bowl. Now it's NBC's running at the All American Bowl. That's in the San Antonio. Uh, they have the Under Armour Bowl that's in Orlando. You know, that's an ESPN one, and they you know wanted to compete with this. They uh, associate with CBS, I believe, uh, for this game. Um, but so. To compete, you want to have national players coming to your game. And I think the Under Armour one, they try to do that, bring guys to you know Orlando, but it kind of focuses on the South a little bit more. I think the Army Bowl, the, the, the All-American Bowl, did a better job of recruiting more nationally. There was the majority of the California players would end up there. Some would go to Orlando, but the majority of them would end up in Texas. And at any time, you're, you're working to try and fill these roster spots and you can't always get everyone you want to come out. There's competition. Um, Sometimes players will play in multiple bowls, but you could get, you could fill out your roster with some of the local players. And I would look at the Polynesian bowl more like that, where they definitely want to go after the top national Polynesian players, but they're not going to, it's not only for Polynesian players. It's the Polynesian bowl. They celebrate much of the Polynesian heritage. You learn a lot about it. Uh, They all do, the, you know, haka dances and practice. They'll have dancers uh, like coming out. Um, and, you know, we saw some dancing in the middle of practice. I forget what the dance team was and uh, traditional songs, you know, Polynesian, Hawaiian, all that stuff. They were uh, introducing these players to uh, if they weren't familiar with it. And then also going to the, you know, the, the Polynesian Hall of Fame. There's a Polynesian Center. So you learn a lot about the culture. I think that's where the focus is. It's not that you have to be Polynesian to play in the game. There, there, that wasn't the goal from the beginning at all. Um, and it's, you know, but they, the majority of the players are there. And then when you fill out the roster, it's not, um, you know, you're, you're getting local high school players from Hawaii, uh, many of a Polynesian descent that are filling out the roster. If there's, oh, someone couldn't come uh, from, you know, New Jersey. And now you have like a running back from New Jersey wasn't able to make it. Now you got a running back that, you know, from, St. Louis high school in Honolulu that maybe wasn't going to be a division one recruit or, you know, maybe kind of up there, but he can participate in the game too. So I think they do a really good job with it. Um, I just wouldn't look at it as wait, they had that player. He wasn't Polynesian like that. I don't think that's the right way to look at it. That was a great breakdown, Ryan. Thanks. Just do what I can. <laughs> the toughest assignment in all of college football, Polynesian bowl. That's tough. It's such a such a slog. So, have you been? No, you got you should go. Uh, so, our buddy Brandon Huffman, he makes a point of going to that. Well, he goes to a lot of things, but he loves going to that. And I mean, I've been to Hawaii other times, and I text Brandon because he doesn't just remember like every high school player's name and forty times and all that stuff. He remembers like restaurants that we went to. So, I mean, I was there. I think last like June or something. And I remember texting Brandon, like what was that uh ramen place that we went to? And he's like, Oh yeah. He just rattles it off like right away. He remembers all that stuff. So um, he's got some great eating spots, great drinking spots. 
Um, and it's great. It's great to hang out with those people, but it's it's a good assignment. You should go. I would just eat poke and eat spamasubi mm. all the time. That's what I would do. We could have like I could have took you to just poke today. That's just down the street here too. Love a good poke bowl. And they got a uh, spam the masubi. Yeah, spam masubi. Yeah, yeah, they got that too. And our final question okay. comes from Eric in Duck Country again. Was he the first question? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Double double Duck Country questions here. Ryan and Chris, how effective do you think Malachi Nelson will be at recruiting defensive players, especially defensive linemen? Thanks. Uh, Malachi Nelson, obviously the five-star quarterback out of Los Alamitos and USC commit. Uh, I think very effective. You know, I think even though he is an offensive player, even though he is a QB who tends to avoid defensive linemen like the plague, he is still one of the Pied Pipers, if you will, of the class. The quarterbacks are typically the guys who rally the class, who kind of lead the class, kind of spearhead their recruiting. And Malachi is a quarterback. He just wants the best team out on the field. Quarterbacks are leaders top to bottom. Doesn't matter if you're a punter or a linebacker or a tight end. You know, quarterbacks lead all. The the the, the most of the time the freight the face of a program yes. or a team. So him being, you know, are the the top of the top. He's the number two player in the country. And when you have the star rating and talent to back up, you know, a, a rating like that, it's easy to sell to guys. It's easy to say, hey, come be a part of this. We're building this special class. We're building this 2023 class. We want to be number one. Yes. A, a DM, a phone call, a text, all those mean a lot more when you're the number two player in the country, regardless if you're a quarterback or whatever. And him being a quarterback is just, uh, you know, cherry on the top. Those guys are the leaders of the class. He'll get it done. That's what quarterbacks do. Yeah, and I, I think you see, like, when USC had the Bryce Young class going, like, Bryce Young was a big part of that, wasn't having a ton of success. Um, and I think may, part of the reason why he ends up decommitting, uh, but there was, uh, this is, you're going to see a lot of success from Malachi Nelson, especially at a guy like um, Zachariah Branch. Uh, when I talked to him when I was out in Las Vegas, I mean, he was full bore. He wants to recruit just like a, like he was a quarterback in the class. And having other five stars that are willing to get involved, uh, I think it's a really big deal. Um, you know, I, I think there's the guys that follow the recruiting process. They know the players that USC's after. They know the guys that they think are good, and they're going to be in their ear and talk about it. He can help out. It's not just, you know, he's going to get a running back or a receiver. He can help out with the defensive line. He can help out anywhere. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a big part of it, but um, I think Zachariah Branch is going to be a big part of it too. But just having that sort of advocate for your, you know, uh, you're the boots on the ground, right? Like you can get a call from a coach or a DM or whatever. But when when your peers are t- telling you about, hey, man, you should come here, you should go here. This is this is what you do. I'm doing it. You should do it too. And you look at him like, well, he's the number two player in the country. Uh, I'm number 98 or whatever, which is really good. But uh, I'm going to follow him. And so, yeah, I think he can help with all of that, Eric. Great cool. answer. Yeah. Yeah. And those are all our questions. Sweet. Well, uh, hopefully I'm gonna we're gonna look at this YouTube video and hopefully it worked out okay. Um, so if you want to watch us, you can go over the uh, Inside Troy YouTube channel, all of our uh contents up there. We're gonna do more tunnel vision shows for sure. Uh, I'm still playing with some of the new equipment. It was kind of why we were doing this. I just wanted to check it out and see how that would work. But our podcast will be going strong just like uh always, and we'll keep those rolling. Um Chris, you have a you're gonna do a recruiting podcast, uh, the the composite two star. 
yeah, uh, we if you didn't listen to it, we dropped uh, the debut last week. Me and Gerard are going to do one here today, and that'll be up later this week. So, yeah, we're rolling. Episode two coming to you. Uh, yeah, so Gerard was thinking like you guys weren't going to do it anymore. Like Ryan's like, I listened. I listened actually with Shotgun in the in the drive to Vegas. Oh uh, yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, it was cool. I like. I thought it was good. Um, you can tell me your real thoughts after the the recording. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah, you all yeah, the yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why we're not going to do it anymore? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's uh, when we get Gerard on the show. Um, I mean, it's unique personality, uh, unique knowledge. I think you guys have good uh, chemistry there, and that's something you kind of build on over time. But just you know, I think you have enough recruiting knowledge, plenty of tons. Um, and for a normal mortal, you have like a ridiculous amount of recruiting knowledge. But like Gerard's not a mortal, you know, he's out there just in his own world as far as that stuff goes. So I think it works well, and I think you can. Um, where, where if I'm doing a show with him. I think you have deeper knowledge about some of the recruiting stuff than I do. So you can even, you know, extract a little bit more out of Gerard. So I just need uh, to harness the power of Gerard. Right. Like Dr. Octopus. I'm trying to harness the power of the sun. And then it goes all awry and turns me into a monster. Nice. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, All right. Well, good luck with that. Um, You know. Gerard's uh he's an interesting cat all the time to talk to and there's a lot of good stuff there but we'll uh, wrap it up uh for on that note so we have uh Chris Trevino over there I am Ryan Abraham right here uh thank you so much for listening to the Peristyle podcast I uh, hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time you may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets people ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Human. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. This is just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.